0: This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello, Jeff.
1: Hey, buddy. How are you today?
0: Doing good. Good. Uh, Low on sleep, but otherwise things <laughs> are going relatively smoothly. I Actually, went oh. off caffeine for the new year's, and so usually. Oh, you did. Yeah, and so usually that means okay. I would like get jacked up in the morning and then crash at right. night. And so now that I am uh, less extreme, I'm also using a different melatonin formula because like every store sells different concentrations of melatonin. I can never figure out if they're equivalent or not. So between all that, I tend to be waking up early, uh, not horribly early like it used to be, but like an hour or so earlier and so I'm, And then I'm not caffeinated, so I'm a little groggy. And I will probably take a nap at some point, but for now, it's working. So you're in you your doing? second
1: week of this?
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, what do they say, 21 days? Is that pretty much what it takes to reorient to something like this? or?
0: I've heard, I, I don't know. I don't know what they say these days. Mm. Kids today well. who knows what they're saying
1: i hope it's sooner rather than later for you but
0: yeah yeah. it's all good because like if i wake up early that i spend time praying and wrestling with what's going on in the world and sometimes i've been having dreams and so one way or the other it all works out okay and i'm working from home so i can take a nap whenever i've got an hour break so that's That's convenient for sure yeah awesome so how how are you doing
1: Oh, man! Well, it has been quite a a month since we spoke last uh, uh-huh. I think it's about a week or maybe just a couple of days after we talked that um Carol's mother fell. I don't know if you've oh, heard right. about that
2: but, yeah I did. uh,
1: but you know she we weren't even home, and so the like, thank God the kids did a great job you know with her just helping her to calm down and be get stabilized, but then. So this was December 11th. So you know, two weeks before Christmas, she fell. You know, we we had to take her um, to the urgent care, and it, she ended up having a, two fractures around her knee and one that they found on her by her hip. Mhm. So the last month has been really tough. You know, it just it has required Vidya in many ways to be on call 24/7 or yeah. at least with with certain things obviously I can help with certain things but then you know like bathroom getting dressed showering all that I obviously that she yeah. has to be involved in that so i mean it was for about a week and week to 10 days it felt like having a newborn again where yeah you know getting up in the night to take her to the bathroom and and having to you know that and because her dad is not you know his his mental capacity is diminishing mm. and he he is also physically not super stable i mean he he can mm-hmm. still get around but he's using a walker himself now just because he's um mm. his knees have been buckling Girl. a little bit yeah. I, I yeah it's just you know so it's like taking care of both of them requires you know, a lot of attention, a lot of energy. And so our yeah. whole our whole Christmas season and, you know, even up to really like last week was completely transformed from, you know, the things we thought we were going to do that we just couldn't right. do, the places people we were going to see, places we were going to go, and, then, you know, very little. And, yeah, like you, and you would
0: think we'd be used to that by now, right? Oh, <laughs> but it's still frustrating thought, every time things blow up, yeah. <laughs>
1: So you know it it has it been the hardest on Vidya, of course, because she yeah. has uh yeah just had essentially to be the constant companion with only short breaks here and there when when we can trust that her mom won't need to use the restroom or something like that and um yeah but so it was
0: also like the our, whole reversal thing has got to been a little bit emotionally traumatic too right
1: right and the that, first sign the other that part like is the
0: like so no, um, our parents are no longer autonomous individuals.
1: It's grieving. She's grieving. Her, you know, her dad isn't. Her dad. He's, he's he's not the sharp, witty, you know, guy that you know always was on top of everything. And now he's you know he's very kind and and gracious, but he's not there some of the time, you know, and it's it's hard. And then you, you know her mother is grieving that too, the loss of her husband, and then. It's just these are rough things. Like you just don't realize until until they happen how it's gonna. And so I know that yes, it has been very emotionally stressful for Vidya, and at the same time, she you know they're they're supposed to actually move to Vinits at the end of Mm. next weekend, Uh which on the one hand is going to provide her with a much needed break. But on the other hand, she, you know, she's like, I don't know. Should I send them? I, you know, I want to, I want to care for them. I want to make sure they're all right. And, you know, so all the feelings of I want to be responsible. I don't want to feel guilty for, for pushing yeah, them away. Guilt. Yeah. guilt. Even though it was planned, you know, months ago, it's not like it just happened. It was, you know, it's right. been the plan. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a
0: lot. It's almost like the worst so thing in some ways.
1: Yeah. So then our, our entire Christmas season had it was just radically redefined, and you know our just as if COVID and everything else wasn't enough, you know, just adding that <laughs> on top has just been it's just been wild. I mean, just the feeling of yeah. wow, um, yeah. this I is not how like I uh, things. You know.
0: This tends to happen to people after they talk to me. <laughs> it's uh, right. They start we're going so in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. Uh, we saw the Christmas, the Chosen Christmas special in the theater.
1: Oh, did you? Okay. We didn't get yeah, to that.
0: I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were, there were kind of mixed reviews <laughs> about it. But the thing that really struck me was, like, I just so felt for Joseph.
2: Hmm.
0: Right? Because he's, like, the supporting character, right? The story right. is not about him. But, like, he's kind of responsible for, like, all these people. And he's, Mm. like, in way over his head. He has no idea what he's doing. He didn't ask for any of this. Right. But, like, God is (laughs) relying on him.
2: (laughs) Yeah. In his most vulnerable tradition
0: ever. And it's, like, ah, and, like, you know, things keep going wrong and it's humiliating and it's very, it's like, but, you know... Uh huh. It, it really made me feel a lot better because, it's like, <laughs> all God asks is that he show up uh, and not run away. And even if he can't good. fix everything, if he's just there in his brokenness and his mess,
1: yeah,
0: that's all that God expects. Of him.
1: Oh, yeah. That's that's good. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's uh, really
0: good. So congratulations on hanging in there. I think you had a very Joseph Christmas.
1: Yeah, it was unlike any other. I'll say that. And uh, yeah. But you know, I obviously you don't want to be trite about it, but the, but there are these redemptive moments when you're you're realizing what it what it means to come to grips with the end of a life and what
2: yeah. how we
1: have to learn how to do. I mean, I don't think we at least in American culture, I don't think we really handle all that very well. We we tend to kind of ignore it or we, can, you know, we we don't want to deal with it. We put it off. We don't talk about it. And in some ways, I think that that's also true with like Carol's family. And like, I don't think anybody wants to really talk about this, but,
2: mm-hmm. but I think
1: it's giving us um, like a divine nudge to make mm-hmm. sure we do, make sure we do, Say the things that we need to say to each other to to yeah. express honor and gratitude and 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 even to embrace this like man this is this is hard, this is not what well, you recognize like a life well lived but at the same mm-hmm. time death sucks, like this isn't yeah. normal, you know this, this should not be right, you know, kind of thing, so
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: I do think there's a gift in it for us and for our kids, too, my kids, mm-hmm. the district, yeah. to be able to see, like, hey, look, this is a special assignment for us, for you, for your grandparents, to be able to bless them and love them and, and um, you know, just squeeze every last bit out of your time with them that you can. So it, it but it, man, it just takes um, grace to go back to our previous conversation. Yeah, it takes continual supply from from heaven for us to to think straight and to love well. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so I mean, we're this this has been one of those seasons of, you know, having to depend fully on God.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's funny. It makes me think of the story that someone said that the great. At least with your kids, my daughter's away at science camp. This is their, the thing they do oh, in wow. sixth grade here in California, and nice. it's like the first time she's away from us for three or four days in a row. Oh, yeah. You
2: know, and freaking the first time
0: out. She's, 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 uh, we're not freaking out, but it's just <laughs> weird. Like we've had these yeah. evening rituals uh, ever since she watched the Addams Family. She always kicks me goodnight. Oh. <laughs> Which is like kind of annoying, but I like you miss it when it's gone, right? Right. <laughs> like like That's most right. things I'm parenting. And and so, you know, like even her brother was like, okay, oh, can we go to Burger King like, oh I us get some parts friends? Oh wait, she's not here. And I would not go so far as to <laughs> right. say he misses her, but at least he notices her absence. <laughs> he, does,
1: he doesn't want to admit it, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: That's funny. And so but you know you you're starting to let go of them in the installment plan, right? So first, it's sweep sleepover, right. then it's camp, and then yep. and it's uh, college and marriage, and, you know, moving out oh, of state. You know, all these the things happen. And it's like, well, you know, so but I think about that. The week with, of
1: college for us, that was yeah. so hard for me. Just oh, wow. walking past Cadence's room and, and like, oh, man, it broke me. Hey. <laughs> I was like, oh,
0: oh, this is not right. You know? <laughs> Oh, Lord. but the other thing and so you're getting in some ways like you know my parents haven't quite gotten to that point yet uh, mm. but it's a reminder that like I remember those moments like when you realize your dad misses, my dad missed the turn when he was driving through Chicago like and he mm. knows Chicago like the back of his head I'm like this is yeah. like, five or ten years ago I was like okay and thankfully it didn't get any worse but you know it's like this is going to happen at some point and these yeah. little right. signs are sort of freeminders, if that's a word, mm-hmm. of the future that's coming. The other thing that's really interesting, though, I woke up, like I said, my calendar a couple of days ago, wait, I'm supposed to work with deaf week, aren't I? And it's like, crap, I've done absolutely nothing with my comprehensive race documents since I talked to you. So, like, last night, <laughs> I was like, okay, God, what am I going to talk about with deaf? Like, I don't want this to be a waste of time, so give me something. And so I woke <laughs> up early, as has been happening, and I realized... um there is actually a thing that I'm putting a lot of time on, both personally and uh, professionally is not the right word, but ministry-wise. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I know what is the spiritual stronghold that is at the root of our problems in the evangelical church.
1: Huh.
0: So I thought that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a juicy tidbit to throw out to Jeff and see what he thinks
1: just a small minor and, thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and so uh, I was talking about this with my pastor at lunch on uh, or breakfast brunch whatever it was. Um on uh Monday. And I think it is uh do you ever see an inside out? Inside out. The one with the Pixar movie with the 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 people inside the girl's head. Yeah,
1: anger, yeah. yeah. Sadness, this is like fear, maybe 7 8 years boy.
0: ago. Yeah.
1: I believe I did see it. I, I. Couldn't yeah, your kids are really a little older a lot at that point,
0: but yeah. But the whole point is, is that these little emotions in the people's head, and the way they chose yeah. to discuss was this uh, g- green girl, like the the fashionable mean girl who's always dissing on everything. Uh. And so, and I think it is actually, and this sounds a little sound a little crazy, but I think it's actually disgust. Disgust. And let me, disgust is the stronghold and let me kind of walk back on how i got there so around um six years ago in a uh after watching the movie war room i was Mm. inspired to declare war on shame i said Mm. you know when i look at all the things that are just debilitating the body of christ destroying marriages driving people into addiction uh you know leading us to you know, run away from the truth. I said, well, shame feels like one of these things that like the church is not doing a great job against. So Mm. I decided to declare war on shame. Uh, I think I got a little ahead of my skis on that one. (laughs) Because this is when my life turned into a country and Western song, right? I lost my job, I got kicked off the board of elders, nearly lost the house, nearly lost my wife. It's like, okay. So that sounds I'm, glad I didn't have a, I'm glad I didn't have a dog then. The dog would have died, right? dog would have um, died the, for sure. Yeah. And so, but, you know, it was effective in the sense that uh, I learned how to deal with shame and to mm-hmm. confront it and stare it in the face and not be intimidated by it, right? Because usually the thing about shame is that it's so intense that you can't face it. And you end up just doing all these things to avoid facing it, right? So that was phase one. Phase two is I heard about this philosophical idea called abjection. It's like objection with an A. Uh, And it was kind of a weird word. I don't know if you've heard of it before. But the best way to think about it, it's the thing your body does to get poop out, right? It's it's what you say. There's something that was a part of you that is no longer a part of you and needs to be gotten rid of and there's a bunch of philosophers who talk about how this is like essential to the concept of self is that which was self is no longer self and is now not self and the really interesting thing about this is that you know it's kind of true right like when you're you know a college student leaving home and going away to college it's like this was my home and this is not my home and some people go graciously some people go uh, violently but either way, it's like a thing that has to happen, right? You have to say like, I used to find my identity in living in this house under my parents' authority, but now I need to say that is no longer me, right? That's like my kid, my son spending eight hours a day on discord to hang out with his peer group <laughs> as part of his individuating, right? Right. You know, and so it's a natural and healthy thing that has to happen It's part of being an individual is learning how to decide what is self and not self. But the the thing that I realized, so I've been doing a study on emotion, and I was talking to a friend of mine. And I said, you know, I I have no concept of the emotion of disgust. It's not something I'm aware of feeling. Which drives my wife bonkers. I was like, oh, it's old food. I'll still eat it. You know, you know, <laughs> you know. My wife is very disgust oriented. Right? her her idea of a big case is to stay home and clean. And so, and there's a whole lot of other issues around there which I will not get into. But uh-huh. The interesting thing, it was that my friend said, well, you know, Ernie, you never talk about disgust, but often when I'll say, or will say something, you'll say that you, I have an allergic reaction to that. I see. It's like when someone says something that I think, you know, theologically incorrect or, or whatever, I'll say, you know, I'm having a reaction to that. And I, and I have to, like, give me a break, so I don't, like, I don't want to, I've learned at least to at least acknowledge the reaction and not just react.
2: <laughs> but okay. he said, that's
0: really a kind of disgust. And the more I thought about it, I realized he was right. Mm. This is the thing that we, it's not really a feeling. Like, I don't feel it, but that's the right name for the the emotion, the emotion, right? The thing that is motivating me mm. is like, I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, that is not me. And mm-hmm. that reaction is, I think, appropriately labeled with the emotion disgust. And it's, it's the thing of saying like, hey. You know, uh, well, I guess what was the old the old phrase? Not my president. And right. when the Republican said it about Obama, all the leftists were really horrified. And, then, and when the uh, uh, the Democrats, when Trump was elected, all the Democrats started saying it. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, and, and I was kind of processing this, and I realized, oh, that is the origins of Protestantism. Right is that like this is intolerable like we cannot abide by this you know either you change or i leave Mm. and like it's not a question of right or wrong you know but it's like because it like in some sense it's it's like a necessary part of growing up you have to do this thing but in some ways it's both right and wrong Right. There's some really positive and, and, and good and honorable things about this. And to not do it would be to deny those good things. But there's also something mm-hmm. um, about it that is, you know, toxic. And I, it's only just now I kind of realized or kind of clicked to me is that disgust is kind of the inverse of shame, right? Is that what mm-hmm. I, if I expressed it right, if you've ever been picked on in school and someone uh, says you're disgusting, then you feel shame yeah and th- there's a deep connection there which I don't fully understand, but I realize this is the sort of other half of my uh, uh war on shame is this issue of disgust, and the thing about um disgust it's easy to be disgusted by people who are just who are disgusted at others, but that doesn't really mm-hmm. war against shame the disgust right that just increases. That's that's the war of disgust, right? <laughs> and sure. it's interesting when you're not fighting for survival, you're usually fighting uh, for disgust, right? Like when you think about, like, you know, our, I don't know if you remember this, but the 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 the, the Gulf War, how mm. you know when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, like it's like yeah. okay, there's no like existential threat. But like, no, this is disgusting. This is horrible. It shouldn't happen. Never Mm. again. Right? And, and, you know, and and when I think about the culture wars, it's fascinating that my friends on both sides, they have a very, even though they have absolutely opposite values, there's this eerie similarity between their rhetoric and their reactions. Like, can you believe those people? Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, how could, and it's like, and and this is the thing that is so it's not about eliminating disgust so much as it is about redeeming it, right? Because mm-hmm. the the like the the abjection like learning to distinguish self and not self is like essential to being a human, right? If we mm-hmm. didn't have that, we just all you know we'd all be marrying our sisters and, and, and turning into a, a mm-hmm. globular, you know, single-celled organism, right? It's like, this was God's gift of allowing us to differentiate. And, Hmm. you know, the, and so we can't, it's like the law, right? You can't, you can't live without it, but it'll kill you if you live by it. Hmm. And this, and the alternative or the thing that it makes, that you, that the, the, the external stimuli that produces disgust, the alternative, which is so interesting given what you just shared, is I think actually the grace to greed. So the, a couple of times when I've talked to somebody who's like in a reaction like this, I say, can you believe that? And like, especially older white guys. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the, and I realized that, oh, actually, the whole reason we have civilization is older white guys took it upon themselves to uh, take this stand. Like, you know, yesterday I had a minor conflict with my son, where he wanted to stay up till you know 10:30 or so to play video games, and he's like doing remote learning. School doesn't start till 9:30, so he has time. But it's like, uh-huh. well, you said, you know, and it's like he said, well, originally he said like, let me stay up till 10. I promise I'll finish by 10. I'll put myself to bed and take the dog up and everything. And every time he makes a promise like this, the first night he is absolutely perfect at it. And the second yeah. night, he totally blows past it. Yeah. <laughs> and like totally forgets <laughs> to do everything he said he was going to do. And it's like, son, no, we got to take it up here. And so he was like really furious at me. I mean, as furious as he gets. He doesn't blow up. He just like doesn't talk to me.
2: right? <laughs> and just okay. ignores
0: me and slams things around. And so I just sort of ignore him and then like go and like read him to bed like I normally do. So we have this I don't, maybe this is, I don't know if this is normal, but like, like my son like gets really ticked off at me, but he like doesn't have anybody else. <laughs> and so like, I'm the one who's there to take care of him. And so, um, you know, we move on. And mm. I was feeling like, you know, you know, really bad about having to do all this stuff. Cause it's all these things that are the opposite of what I like to think of as my values of being considerate and present and non-judgmental, But it's like, sometimes you have to lay down the law so that everyone can move forward and it sucks. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, but, but like, if you, uh, I said this really came down to me this last week with my brother-in-law who was here uh, for Christmas and did a bunch of dog training. And he just Mm -hmm. kept on like, this is stupid. This is wrong. You must, you cannot cuddle these dogs. You must yell them in the face and rub their nose in their shame and like all this rhetoric. (laughs) And it's like, it's a little over the top, but I realized, you know, like my dog now doesn't wake us up at 5:15 in the morning to get fed at 6:15. He's learned, you know, he kind of got broken of that habit and intimidated right. into like not like uh, being a whiny crybaby. Like we had to do when we trained our kids. And it's yeah. like you know, it's, it, and it's funny. I'm actually doing this Facebook uh, Wisdom <clears> Challenge with this guy Pedro Adeo, who's a an entrepreneur, and it's like a crazy thing. Like he's only been like doing this for like three years, and all of a sudden he's got Bill Johnson and John Maxwell and the guy who wrote the passion translation, like as mm. friends and like showing up at his thing. And so like, it's amazing. But every now and then he goes like, he's like an entrepreneur. He's like, he, you know, the, the, the Tony Robbins type of guy, like, you know, God, you know, we can, you know, uh, you know, God may want you to, well, he says, God wants you to prosper. they so, like, join this program. I can guarantee that it will help you live the life that God wants for you. And like, <laughs> There's some really good stuff there, and I really appreciate his heart, but it's also really over the top. And yeah. this is really making, I was having an allergic reaction, right? And, there you and, go. It's like, and he actually said a line there in the first or second day. He says, like, the thing that offends you may be precisely the thing that God wants to bless you with. And so mm-hmm. I've really been taking that to heart because I've been processing all this stuff around this dust and realizing, okay, you know, he needs to be this sure of himself in order to get this thing off the ground to have the energy because like it really will help a lot of people. And, hmm. you know, the unction he feels to do a high pressure sale to get people on there and signing up for his $3,000 uh, program is actually the thing that he needs to do. You have to build this kingdom up before you can turn it over to Jesus. Hmm. You know, it's this weird dynamic. I'm actually working on a game design with my son about this rhythm of, like, first you have to just survive. And then you want to try and make this, the good thing that you found as big as possible. And only then, uh, and the way I talk about it with my son, is like in the first part of the game, you're um, building up ego points. Because the more ego you have, the more power you have over the world to slay your enemies and help your friends, right? And that's, like, hmm. necessary. Because if you don't do that, you die or your city dies, right? Hmm. If you don't actually build your kingdom, then somebody else will. Uh, Or or you're less to the mercy of somebody else's kingdom. And like those people who are willing to take the hit, there was a great line from, uh, I've been watching the Arrow, the Green Arrow thing, uh, the reruns from 10 years ago, whatever. And there's a line where uh, somebody's sister dies, and like his friend, uh, basically his girlfriend, um, uh, dies, And, like, uh, his assistant yells and says, like, why don't you grieve? He goes, I have to not grieve so everybody else can. Like, to be the man, Mm. right? To stand up and say, okay, listen, I'm not going to ignore my feelings. What do we need for us all to survive and to keep everyone safe? And I will squelch myself and be the hard ass, if you're part of my language, Mm. so that everyone else is free to, to emote and be themselves and you know you need that thing so you need these ego points to kind of build this kingdom but in in the in in the next season all those ego points become karma points right those are the things that you have to die to you know to to realize like all the horror that you've inflicted upon people and that the evil that you thought was outside is actually inside right that's the big reveal in you know it's like the 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 Hearthstone, the treasure that everyone's been guarding that they thought was the thing that they had saved from the evil of the old world is actually itself infected, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what's been like for me these last few years. Is realizing this, you know, beautiful reformed evangelical tradition I grew up in has, at its at its heart, that same toxic sickness as the Catholic Church did. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and it's like, you know, and and, and so in in, in, the, in the phase two, the sort of absolution phase, like, oh man, why did I have to do all this ego stuff? Like, why did I dig myself in this hell? Like, you know, this is horrible because it's all this burden you have to, to undo. But then I realized in phase three, which I feel like I'm just starting to get to, is that all those karma points that you had to work off become treasure points, That's the Mm. grace you have to share with others. And so from that perspective, you want as much ego as possible because that gives you as much, like Apostle Paul being the canonical example, right? It was Mm. precisely because he did such horrible things that he had such a massively deep understanding of grace that gave him such incredible treasures to share with the body of Christ. Mm. And so like, you know, and my race like, like I want to stop people from doing the wrong thing or getting carried away by overdoing the right thing, but it's like, you know, if I do that, then they will uh you know, yes the higher they they soar, the 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 deeper they'll fall. But in some sense the more massive crater they make which gets filled as a well of grace, if I'm not mixing too many metaphors. <laughs> you know, and that's the, and so yeah, the punchline of all this is that the, um, the grace. So, so the thing, that the, ch, the 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 antidote to disgust is that is that is that is is when it's because I think disgust gets toxic when it's tinged with fear. Um, there's a wonderful mm-hmm. word I heard, which is capitulation. You're afraid that if you give in, and this this is the question I've been asking about, it's like, what exactly is forgiveness? And why is it hard to forgive? I don't have a great answer, but the best answer I have is that, well, it feels like saying the thing that was lost doesn't matter. And the word I heard for that was capitulation, right? Hmm. It's like when you see these things that are destroying the family, destroying uh, civilization, destroying civil discourse, uh, destroying the church, it's easy to get angry and say like, you know, at, at the, the whatever forces internal or external that you blame for all that. And like, to not be angry, you know, is kind of like, people say, Oh, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, it does yeah. matter. That was a really good thing. Like with like uh, Sam uncle, like he was a great man. Like the, the fact that he was like this, that he was witty and engaged and thinking that was a really good thing. And it is entirely appropriate to be angry about the fact that, that good thing was taken away. And that was what I realized when I was talking with my friend, Robbie, is that it was only after I could empathize with him about all the good things he thought he was losing that he was able to say, oh, but wait, even that wasn't really perfect. Uh, And like there's other things that I need to learn that I couldn't have learned back then. Mm -hmm. And the the grace to grieve, the the beautiful, there's a great line I heard, Um, which is that revolution destroy the perfect before they enable the impossible. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about when Jesus promised that, you know, people here who wouldn't uh, die before they see the kingdom of God come. And they were all thinking Jesus coming back on a white horse, you know, second coming, right? But the two possible interpretations of what they saw in their lifetime is the nice one is the coming of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, you know, but the the ugly one is the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. You know, and like we don't get to say what has to die in order for God's kingdom to come. I mean, Christ himself already died and like Mm -hmm. nothing could be worse than that. So compared to that, in some sense, the destruction of Jerusalem was pocket change. Yeah. But like, you know, we have no guarantee that Civilization will survive. That America will survive, you know, right. and that's a hard thing for a lot of people to grieve, and I don't blame them that it's hard. Mm-hmm. And but you know, in some ways, I, you know, it seems I've been reading this biography of Lincoln that my uh, brother gave me, and the personal heartache he had to deal with, where his son was taken by bubonic plague or, or something like that, and then his wife got, uh, there, there was an assassination attempt early on, which scared their horses and, uh, like, uh, gave his wife a concussion that made her moody and irritable. And, you know, oh, and of course, wow. you know, and like all these virgin- personal tragedies the on top of, it. yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, there's all these personal tragedies and like, there's this weird sense in which, you know, if he had, if he had just sailed through the war without any personal tragedy. It's not clear that he could have. Ever died. <laughs> you know, it, it's really, I mean, mm. you read the biographies of the saints. You know the sort of training God puts His people through. <laughs>
2: right.
0: You know, and it's like, ugh, you know, am I sure I want to serve a God like that? <laughs> mm. But you I mean, but that's like, you know, and then they're like, what's this? Um, Sam Harris his fundamental objection to Christianity is he just can't abide the thought of a father sacrificing his son for something. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he's got his own psychological and family issues, which makes that so intolerable for him. But like, you know, the man's got a point. It is a really, really bitter pill to swallow to say that this is that important that God would sacrifice his son Mm-hmm. And that Jesus would agree that it was necessary. And it's like, you know, that's a bitter for soul. But once you accept that, you know, and maybe that's the, the key is to encounter the cross to the point where we where we realize or maybe it's the 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 more we understand the depth of grief behind the cross, behind communion, behind Good Friday. And just like the training you're going through with Carol's parents, it's like this is the thing that we need to learn how to do first so that we can help others grieve. Because I discovered that I get envious, right? When I haven't grieved something and I feel like somebody else is getting away from that, I have no compassion for them. Hmm.
2: Um,
0: But when I say, but when I can get to beyond that and say, oh, yeah. I can see how what they're struggling with, the trade-off that they don't want to make, is actually one I, you know, I'm not thrilled about either. And I'm jealous that they. I feel like they have it easier than I do. And it's only when I get past that in my own grief, because I'm still holding on to that unforgiveness. Like oh, so I'm still feeling unfair that God did this to me. That's why I don't have grace for them. And once I do, I say, oh, okay. Now I understand what homosexuals are going through and why they react the way they do. Now I understand how people on different sides of the vaccine debate, why they're so adamant mm. about their right is that there's something they're holding on to that is a really genuinely good thing that they're not ready to let go of because they don't yet know God well enough to know that they can trust him with it. Mm. And then there's the question, okay, if I do know God that well, then I have grace for them and I can share with them. And that will help them go through it. And if I don't, well, then that's my issue. <laughs> i got to go and deal with that with God rather than sending them. This whole uh, <laughs> speck and log thing.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's the thing. Uh, Do you feel like this, there's this a month.
1: relationship between this, um, you know, the the word that you used, I think it was you were defining the difference between um, what you referred to as Uh, I think there's a difference between abjection and was it, was there, so on the one hand you're saying that abjection is a healthy part of being human, but that disgust, while it might, might look similar. It's motivated by fear. Is that, am I saying it the the right way?
0: Close. Yeah. I think think disgust is the emotion, but I Mm -hmm. think that maybe when disgust turns to outrage, is because it's fueled by fear.
1: Mhm. I think that yeah, fear component yeah. is really important because it's, and I think it probably tracks back to something. Yeah, you know, I mean something related to the idea of. And maybe this is even related to our problem with grace, because it usually the fear is is a some kind of symptom. Motivated by the expectation, like of loss and of the 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 elimination of what I perceive to be my right to something, or my either my property or my the the you know the yeah. non physical things like my rights, my my freedoms, my whatever it is.
0: Uh, you're, you're, you're actually, you know, it's funny. I'm doing a deep dive on emotion. That's this whole course I'm supposed to start writing next week. Um, And one of the things that they talk about is how the brain is wired, is we have both positive and negative reinforcement. And when something that our body thinks is good for us happens, it gives us a positive dopamine hit of reward. And when something that is bad for us, you know, that the body thinks is bad for us, it gives us a negative dopamine hit of pain. And the the, the positive, the negative, uh, I don't want to write, chemical but it gives you pain right the joy and pain and like joy says do this again and pain says don't do this again yeah and the thing is is that it is actually a natural healthy thing to want to keep hold of those things which are good for us and uh uh, uh yeah it is a natural thing that the things that we see is good and you know so so, like, the more it seems to give me a little bit more grace for the emotion of fear. But the way I interpret it now is that fear is a signal that we're afraid of losing something. And that's a useful piece of information. And if we react to that information by saying, oh, therefore I must do whatever it takes to pre- prevent it, that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. if I ignore the pain and say, oh, it doesn't matter or it won't happen, I shouldn't worry about it, that's also unhealthy. Right. The healthy response is to say, yeah, this is a thing that I'm afraid of losing, and this is the start of a conversation with God. It's like, yeah. okay, God, is there something I'm supposed to do to prevent this from being lost, and if I can, I should. But if there isn't, then I have to trust you that whatever I have already received from you is worth more than this thing I'm afraid of losing now, or at least have the hope that what I'm gonna get in exchange will be even better. And you know the whole thing, right? This is the, uh, like it's one thing when things are like unhealthy and entitlement and unreasonable, but like things that are like genuinely good, that were given to you as a gift of God, you know? When most people, it's like, and, 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 and I think the answer is right. It's, it's not the it doesn't matter. But it's like, uh, I have this saying, the future belongs to those who most efficiently grieve their loss of contact. Right? It's it's like the world hmm. is changing, and our mental model of the world is increasingly out of date. And, hmm. you know, I think what it means to be human is that our model of the world is inevitably a tiny, imperfect subset of what God is actually doing, right? And you can say that easily, but when it actually happens, like you said, like all my plans for Christmas just got blown out of the water, like it Mm -hmm. still hurts. And this is the thing that really struck me is like, and that's the point, right? If it didn't hurt, if nothing mattered, then why bother having a universe? It is precisely the things that tie us to this universe that we have to grieve that becomes the grace that we have to give others. Mm. And I used to yell at myself for getting so attached to these things. So I was like, no, this is good. This is a thing I'm attached to, and this is a thing I have to grieve, and this will become a thing that becomes, you know, it was it was it was an ego point, which became a karma point, which will become a treasure point. Like <laughs> I've actually got to the point where I was oh yeah, in fact. The limiting factor in my ability to expand the kingdom of God is discovering areas where I have unhealthy attachments I haven't let go of yet. I'm almost, not quite, but I'm almost like, oh yeah, I'm acting really badly here. I'm excited because this is now the next area that I'm going to get to conquer for God and will be doing treasure that I can use to save others. I can think about that at the very beginning of the process and at the end of the process. In the middle, not so much.
2: <laughs> but at least
0: I hold on to that hope, right? It is that it is precisely, it is precisely our sins. Like there's there's one thing we have that God does not have, and that is the ability to sin, and that is hmm. the actual sin. And strangely yeah. enough, that's exactly what He wants. And sometimes that's all that He wants. I mean, He wants all of us. Hmm. But he wants us to give to him these these areas where we are stuck um yeah. and like this is the 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 divine transaction that, um, that this is how we save the world hmm. right it's 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 not it's like we like i realize like i can't speak to somebody who's abused as a child i have no idea what it means to forgive that right yeah. like that is just beyond my ability to imagine um and so far i have no grace for that it, you know and if it happened to me or someone i was close to you know i would probably you'll know, lose it for a while but then i would have to yeah. figure out how to have the grace for it but you know i can share my story and my struggles And, you know, I have this belief that somewhere deep down inside of me, there is an analog of every sin on the planet, Mm. right? Is that, you know, uh, that, and that if, and that, you know, the different amounts of pressure around me bring these things out, and that when that does happen, then suddenly I've gained a new level of grace. Yeah. And. You know, it's I'd, I'd much rather have grace for other people's sins than have to do the hard work of finding grace for my own, but that's how you mm. get there, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. When, yeah, so I'm working on this game with my son, and I think that's actually, if I can figure out how to encode that dynamic into something playable, because it's really hard to explain. It's mm. hard enough to think about, right, in our own lives. But if we understood that this is actually the dynamics of the Christian life, right? All the head learning, all the techniques, those are important, but the hard heart work has to come first. And it's something that historically it's like it happens in the dark places of your soul, and people write about it in their biographies 20 or 40 years later. And I'm thinking if we can figure out how to get people to start doing this in real time, and then we build a status game around like you know, hey you know, what was done in secret is now gonna be shouted from the rooftops. Like this uh, is what it means to be a Christian is to be able to yeah. face the depths of our sin. And uh, you know, not just the socially acceptable sins, like we hear people stories coming out of drug addiction or uh alcohol or pornography. It's like those are great. But like the harder sins. Like, you know, I was really judgmental of people on the other side of the political spectrum. Or I was mm-hmm. really You know, my evangelism was really um, motivated in large part by pride and tribalism, which Mm -hmm. I thought was love for other people. Like these petty hypocrisies, which the world is deeply allergic to, Mm -hmm. are the things we haven't learned how to confess. But once we do, then suddenly it destroys the armor the enemy has spent centuries building up.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir.
1: The humility uh, that that is required that not natural to to the way that we're we're built in this world yeah. system. It's it's really yeah. not and to and see it. Jesus in this way. Yeah. You know, and I I'm sure this happens in every culture where there's a certain degree to which, you know, and, and whether you're in, you know, Sub-Saharan Africa or in Iceland or wherever, like we're we're gonna, our tendency is gonna be to bend Jesus toward us. Like think right. certainly yeah, he must though, be like we are, you know.
0: Yeah, but here's the interesting thing. I was, I was doing this with my dad, this book study, um, the Neville Shute book Round the Bend, and there's this thing where the one of the main characters gets sick. And all the traditional people say, "Well, he's going to die." And all the Western people say, "No, no, no! Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this doctor and that doctor." And mm-hmm. like, you, and the author you know, is writing back, saying, "You know, it's kind of foolish of us to live in denial like that." And it's true. On the other hand, that's why we have progress, right? Mm-hmm. Is rather than just accepting the things are, we say, "No, damn it! I'm going to fix this thing if it kills mm-hmm. me." And like, because we have a a, a cultural status game of Trying to fix things uh, on the one hand, we like create a better external lifestyle for us. On the other hand, we fill our lives with stress and neuroses about all these things that we think we ought to be able to fix that more simple people would just accept as the way things are. but in the third turn, this also means that we need and must experience and can experience vastly deeper and more profound levels of grace because our sins are that much more complicated and large. Mm. And and living as Americans with this maximal freedom, right, maximal freedom creates maximum achievement, which creates maximum sin, which creates maximum mm. grace. You know, it's mm. the weirdest uh, uh, economic dynamic. And yet this seems to be why God created the universe. So that we could have these ever increasing spirals of creation, corruption, and redemption. Hmm. Like I can't think of well. any other reason, but it explains a lot, right?
1: It does. It, it does. Yeah, you know, we think about the, the the wicked and corrupt generation Jesus spoke of, and we wonder how far we've come from there. Some people don't, yeah. see I don't know if we really are aware of the depth of our brokenness.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, like, I realized that uh, there's a wonderful Rick Joyner uh, parable where he talks about uh, the image of the cross, or these jewels, I guess, and one of the jewel of Gethsemane. And it's like, you can only touch that one for like a few moments because it is just so agonizing to, to go back wow. to the sort of other lesser jewels of comfort and consolation. Mm-hmm. Based on what's wrong with them. But then I realized at the limits of my grace how hard it is for me to focus my attention on the things, uh, the abyss that I don't want to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Then I get impatient with them, is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working towards this thing. There's a phrase that came with my, I was training with my dad and my father in law. Um, And the phrase that came to me was perfect acceptance. And this idea that I need to not just say that like other people's sins don't matter, but actually face the fact that they really do. And, and, but then say, and that if the people I love do these things that hurt themselves, that that will really be bad for them and bad for me. But God's grace is strong enough that I don't have to pull away. And I realize mm. that's why I want to fix other people's sins is, is partly to help them, but partly also so I don't have to deal with it. And that's True. usually why it backfires. Uh and that was the thing that God's really been hammering me on is that I need to learn how to accept other people the way Christ accepts me that mm. I at a, at a deeper level than I've ever experienced it in order to be able to reach people where they are not where i wish yeah. they were
2: that's right mm.
0: oh, good times Jeff. yes sir thank oh, uh, let me pray for you maybe you can pray for me
1: with us man
0: yeah god i just thank you for my my cousin-in-law jeff and for the extraordinary journeys that you have taken him through, or the heights and depths of revelation and suffering, and sometimes both at the same time. Mm. And I think that you have yoked him and Carol together on this extraordinary journey. And Lord, I thank you that this journey is just beginning, Lord, that we have ahead of us a millennial generation that has an opportunity to taste deeply of the fruits of God in community, Lord, many saints and sages have tasted of your fruits in the depths of their private devotion in their cells. And then we read about a decades later in books. But this generation, Lord, I think is gonna learn how to do this in public, in community, in a way that will blow the world away. Uh, but oh God, Jeff and I are just getting a small taste of the price that must be paid in grief and suffering to tear down the strongholds of the enemy to make that possible. And I just pray for him and, and my other friends embarked on this journey that we would not lose heart, that we would persevere, that we would stick together, and that we would win this battle that our forefathers never never did, that we would enter the promised land and cross that Jordan and 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 bring up those those stones from the depths of our despair and build an altar showing this is where God met us. Uh, and yes. that that would be a touch point for the generation to come. I ask this in Jesus name.
1: Amen, Father, today we are more aware than we've been before of your long suffering with us, your patience. God, we are we are so we are so urgent about so many things. What is so amazing and, and beyond my comprehension is how you, you lack no urgency, and yet um, your patience is a perfect partner with your urgency. Lord, the, the plan that you have been that you have been unfolding since before the creation of time—it's it, not going to fail. You, you have an eternal purpose, and it will prevail. And you've been willing to let it play out over generations of time. That for some reason, God, we we are not content with your pace, but we ask today that you would settle our hearts, remind yes. us that we can be confident that you are leading uh, the story, the human story. You are leading it into the place of 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 fulfillment and satisfaction from your own heart i i don't understand how all of it works lord but i submit to you i yield to you today i pray for my my cousin in law ernie that that both of us uh, would be willing to, to continue to yield to continue to submit submit our lives to surrender our own intentions our own convictions to to your vision of of reality and your story mm. God, touch our wives touch our kids t- touch the churches that that we are a part of and the broader network of of your people that we're connected to blow by your spirit bring life bring wisdom bring courage for these days Lord. we don't know uh what's around the corner <laughs> We, we think we've seen hard things, but we haven't seen anything. And, and I pray, God, that you would just strengthen us, make us brave and, and pure so that the times that are coming will not cause us to shake and tremble, but would they will just find us more deeply established in your love and in your gospel. Lord, teach us your way. God, may may the footsteps that you've left for us become more and more clear as we do face hardship, opposition, even persecution which we've we've barely we've barely even approached that and and we're already riled up about other things. So God, God, I pray that you really <laughs> give us such a, a deep and and broad perspective about where we are in the story. And Lord, I pray one more thing for us. Um Lord the I'm reminded of your word, uh the the description of David in Acts thirteen where it simply said that he served God's purpose for his generation and then he Jeez. fell asleep. God help us to serve your purpose for our generation. Or there's I don't know, I don't understand all the things that you're after, but I I want to just do my job, I, I believe in Ernie's heart, is the desire to do his job, to do... We want to do our part for your purpose. We don't want to pull up short. We don't want to try to do beyond what you've asked of us. we just... We ask for you to speak, for your voice to be clear, for your instructions to be just um, discernible to us, and that even as we started this conversation that your grace would be sufficient for us to do your will from the heart for Christ's glory. Yeah. Lord, so we ask that today and now we just lift our eyes to you. Um, you're where our help comes from. And so we, we have nowhere else to turn. Um, so we thank you father in Christ's name.
0: Amen. 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 that was worth putting on the calendar
1: amen
0: i'm almost Let's afraid to what's going to happen between now and next february and <laughs> <February. laughs> <laughs>
1: right. you know oh my i wasn't going
0: to do this but i figured i should at least ask so that was a that was a really good conversation and the the phone service i use to schedule these actually does recordings Um, And I have a little podcast that I do. I don't know if anybody ever listens to it. But I've been having these conversations (laughs) with people about Reformation and revival. uh, How would you feel about me putting this recording up on the podcast? I could cut out some of the personal stuff at the beginning, if you like.
1: Hey, uh, however it can be useful. I I don't – I certainly don't mind. I don't – yeah. I think it would would be helpful. Go for it.
0: Yeah. I actually just joined a Christian Podcasters Network and they were saying, post your latest episode. And I was like, I haven't had an episode in three months, but uh, now I do. So it'll be wow. an interesting cool. way to start some conversations. Okay. Yeah. All right. God bless you. Give Go my love it. to Carol and her parents.
1: I will, bro. Thank you so much. And yeah, please greet your family for us as well.
0: Okay.
2: Bye bye.
1: All right, buddy. Bye.